Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a Thinklings duet in this episode of Tim and Charlie, because Andy is not here. And so, how do you feel about another duet, Tim? We can do it. We can't, we can do it. Oh duet. <laughs> Was that a pun that you didn't even notice? I say pun. We can do it. <laughs> I don't ever, I don't ever pun intentionally, I don't think. Okay, Andy, you're not here with us. I, you need to rank on a scale of one to 10 that pun. It's a duet, and we are going to do it. Do it. Um, and also in honor of Andy, I was reading today and I have a, I was thinking of Andy quote from a book I've been reading and I meant to bookmark it and I put the bookmark on the wrong page again. So let's find that. And so this book, which I'll probably review, uh, in a few weeks, character matters, shepherding in the fruit of the spirit. It's one of the nine marks books. And, uh, so far not like blown away by any means. Uh, but this chapter was, I think, the best one so far. So he's kind of just going fruit by fruit and talking about how would this live itself out in a life of ministry. And so uh, this chapter is on patience and not growing weary. And so here's the quote. It is, so this is page 75 in the patience chapter. It's tempting to think God, who created all things so quickly, might lead us through tribulation with greater haste. But he doesn't. Mm. God tends to work slowly, then and now. And uh, not sure why, but I was reading and I was like, man, that made me think of Andy. Yep. Maybe something Andy would say. Um, like, but God doesn't. <laughs> but anyway, so thinking of you, Andy. Mm. And then, uh, as always... We have some Thinklings business to tend to. Book and business. Let's talk about your book, Tim. All right. So I've got J.R.R. Tolkien, a biography by Humphrey Carpenter. Uh, the, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, my kids, I was looking for some kind of a movie we could watch for like a family movie night. And there's a movie on Tolkien. So uh, we picked it up. We actually, the kids really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it too. There's a lot of war scenes. And so um, from World War One, because he was in World War One. So my daughter didn't like several of those sections. Uh, so that was probably the major caveat. I can't remember if there was really anything other that was uh, questionable about it. It was a few weeks ago. So, um, but then that put me on, man, I really wonder about uh, Tolkien's life because the movie really focused on the beginning of his life before there was C.S. Lewis, before they were inklings or any of that. And, uh, and and so I, I picked up his biography, J.R. Tolkien, a biography by Humphrey Car- Carpenter, and uh, to get the whole story. And you know, like what they have to do in movies a lot of times, they have to condense a lot of stuff. So so they were like living out in the country and they moved back into um, Birmingham, the city, uh, which he didn't want to do. He liked being out in the country, which is, you know, fits Tolkien. Reasonable. Yes. And, uh, and so the, the, the movie really kind of flattened the story there where they moved back into the city. His mom gets sick and she passes away because he is an orphan. His, his dad had passed away previously and, and the book walks through that in greater detail. But, uh, but there was actually a lot of transpiring and moving and changes that, 
that happened. They were moving all over the place. And the book details even his uh, mother's conversion to Catholicism, which was interesting uh, because his parents uh, or his grandparents, one was like Baptist and the other one, I think, Methodist. Was, is Carpenter, is he, like, how does he present that? Is it pretty objective and straightforward? Or does he give any commentary of... Not a lot. Uh, basically, it was just his mother wa- became convinced herself that uh, Catholicism was the true Christian faith hmm. and converted, and there's familial pressure against it. But uh, there was a specific uh, man, uh, a priest, a priest, a, f- a father, Francis, I think it is, and he had a huge part in uh, Tolkien's upbringing, uh, and he honestly sounds like like a uh, a godly man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he was very impactful. Yeah. Father Francis Morgan. And, uh, this man, uh, really helped his mother as her health was declining. And of course she was a widow. Um, and, uh, and so, she, uh, he helped then after she passed away, he was the one in charge of, uh, Tolkien's, I don't know if I want to say estate, but affairs and mm. was getting him into education uh, Tolkien started to have a romance with who became his wife, Edith, and uh, Father Francis was Lutean. like shutting it down, <laughs> and it was uh, not uh, appreciated by either of them. But I mean, Tolkien realized that that was um, a very formative even in his life. So I have a few quotes here that I found kind of interesting. Uh, page thirty, um, the. Uh, it talks about how his mother encouraged him to read and to draw. Uh, she was an educated woman and in- encouraged him along those lines. Which, by the way, he grew up in South Africa. His dad was in the banking industry, and his mother went home and took him and his brother home to England for a holiday or whatever. And then his dad suddenly uh, got some kind of a disease and died in uh, South Africa. So then his mother was in England. Um, without a husband and no, um, what, not a lot of money, I guess. And so family was helping out and it was a very trying time in their life. Um, but during that time, his mother encouraged him to read. And this quote, he was even more pleased by the curdy books of George MacDonald, which were set in a remote kingdom where misshapen and malevolent goblins lurked beneath the mountains. Isn't that great? So it just made me kind of wonder, is was that one of the conversations that, say, he and Lewis had because they both loved yeah. um, Princess and the Goblin and the second one, Curdy and whatever it is. Uh, pr- the Princess and Curdy. Princess and Curdy. Yeah, which right. uh, I, I think it's hilarious how you have an atheist, which is Lewis, yeah. and a devout Catholic. Devout Catholic. Who just fall in love with uh-huh. the fiction writings of a reformed, like Calvinist guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, George like a McDonald. German reformed pastor. It's yeah. just, and yeah, George McDonald has a lot of fiction material. Uh-huh. And if you're like really looking for something, yeah. it, there's stuff. That, Princess and the Galvin's really good. It is really good. Yeah. yeah. We've recommended it on this podcast a while back. So then later on in page 34, this was one of the fun things too, is I keep reading various different books from back in this age. I keep seeing names that I've read or heard about from elsewhere. So uh, he... Uh, Tolkien attended the Birmingham Oratory 
uh, which had been established in 1849 by John Henry Newman, then a recent convert to the Catholic faith. Do you remember him? Now, that is, that's the guy that um, Sire yeah. really praises yeah. in Habits of the Mind. Yeah. James Sire has an entire chapter about John Henry Newman and how to think through uh, science and truth, but also metaphysics and uh, spiritual understanding. Now, that's a really bad, simplistic under, uh, explanation there, but mm-hmm. but just believing, having faith, and seeking to understand a real biblical model for um, the pursuit of truth. So that was kind of a fun thing, too. Uh, and then um, the the next thing that I found surprising, both in the movie, and the movie really dramatized it a lot, which, you know, that's what movies do, is okay. But there is, before there was the Inklings, Tolkien had a group of guys that were his buddies, his friends. And this is pre-World War One, And um, and this was really uh, partly because of Father Francis busting up the romance <laughs> between Ronald and Edith, uh, because then it did drive um, Tolkien, which by the way, his uh, Ronald is, was the name that he went by all the time. That drove Tolkien to his uh, guy friends at, at school, uh, which was also fascinating because uh, Lewis talks about the English school system of all of the guys and it being very perverse and bad and terrible. Uh, but Tolkien had a very different experience. And so a lot of times we like to flatten an educational model and we take a bad example if it's something that we don't like and say, look, they're all bad. Uh, well, you know, there's going to be a lot of variety. And Tolkien was in a similar type of a boys' school. Mm-hmm. And it was a very positive experience that really promoted education and learning. Tolkien's, or I'm sorry, Lewis seemed to be in a bad one. So, so uh, he create or he created. He was part of a tea club, which is kind of funny. Fantastic! It, it's horrendous. We do not have a tea club. Coffee club. We could go to the coffee club. But yeah. Tea club, and then so it became the TCBS. The BS stood for Barrow Store, where they met, and then they changed it to the Barovian Society. So the Tea Club, a Barovian Society, where he and three of his his friends um, they uh, met to discuss literature, to be godly friends, uh, like yeah. what the Inklings became later on. Um, and then uh, this group got blew blown up because of. World War One. Look at that. That's another pun. pun. I did not intend the pun. So Yikes. it is horrendous. <laughs> this group got blown up by the World War. It's kind of sad because two of them died in it. But uh, I just love how you just it didn't even register until you realized what you were saying. It's horrendous. <laughs> uh, and so the TCBS, um, it it uh, it was a group, and it's encouraging as they as they even eventually had the inklings and we have appreciated the Christian community amongst us men and we encourage, now we're encouraging others. You know, Christian community is a vital component to the Christian life. You need to create a knot of friends, a little knot of friends uh, that's going to turn your back on the world and uh, keep your eyes straight ahead. So there's a lot more to this book. I've only gone through chapter four and I've already talked a lot. The last note that I had was he took a summer holiday in uh, Europe through, I think it was Switzerland. And on that journey, he found, uh, he uh, 
Well, I'll just read it. Um, Before setting off on the return journey to England, Tolkien bought some picture postcards. Among them was a reproduction of a painting by a German artist, J. Madlener. It is called Der Bergeist. I'm killing it. It's German. The Mountain Spirit. And it shows an old man sitting on a rock under a pine tree. He has a white beard and wears a wide-brimmed round hat and a long cloak. I know, Charlie's looking this up. Um, He is talking to a white fawn that is nuzzling his upturned hands, and he has a humorous but compassionate expression. There is a glimpse of rocky mountains in the distance. Tolkien preserved this postcard carefully, and long afterwards, he wrote on the paper cover in which he kept it, Origin of Gandalf. So it's just kind of fun to read through. And I really actually enjoyed this read uh, to uh, get to know Tolkien a little bit better. Uh, but also, you know, this franchise, this TV or movie series and books that we've read and uh, how how uh, some of it came into existence. And if somebody's even like a writer and you want and you want to write fiction, you know, it'd be great to just kind of pick up a book like Tolkien's biography and see how his life impacted him and his direction uh, and impacted his writing, his um, his Middle Earth series. So that's what I've got. So on that note, so I did look it up and it is a it's a beautiful picture and you can definitely see the association with Gandalf. If you look, if you Google it, it, the first thing that comes up is the Tolkien Gateway. So it's like a Tolkien wiki. And uh, it has the same quote you just read, cited from Carpenter's, uh, Humphrey Carpenter's biography. biography. It also references Myth Lore 34, which was an article written called The Origin of Gandalf and Joseph Madliner, which if you remember, earlier in the summer, we were reading from Myth Lore or MythCon, like, preceding notes. You guys are so weird. The the weird (laughs) journal articles that people have produced on these topics. So there does exist in Myth Lore, which is a published work of the Mythopoeic Society. It's a peer-reviewed journal that focuses on the works of Tolkien, Lewis, and Williams, uh, so it's in Myth Lore 34 where they have an article published, peer-reviewed on that exact topic. Hey, that's great. <laughs> you go right ahead. No thanks. I don't even know if you could find it. Uh, <laughs> so like, if I go to clicking on it, I wonder what loads. Oh, it does. Ha- oh, wow, that's fantastic. Oh, it's got it there, huh? So you can go to the online archive. Oh. There's an online archive. I'm getting bored. Oh, wow. This is fantastic. So they have PDFs of them. So if you'd like a PDF of, does it have it here? I don't see it. Well, you can read an entire peer-reviewed journal about the origin of Gandalf and how that started from the German artist, Madliner. Yeah. Anyway, let's have a final thought, a final meditation from God's Word. And so we started, the quote in Character Matters was talking about patience. And as I was reading that this morning, I had a passage come to my mind. And that's what we're going to look at here for just a few moments. And that passage is James chapter 1. 
And I will clarify in a little bit of sleuthing in the Bible, I did notice that actually, so the term, so we're, we're in a book talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, the term in Galatians 5, is macrothumia. It's a great compound word. And so Tim is a Hebrew professor. If Andy was here, I would ask him, what do these words mean? But Andy's not here. So Tim, the Hebrew prof, gets to tell us if he knows Greek. Macrothumia. What does macro mean? Big. Big, large, and mm-hmm. thum. Thum. Thumia. 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 Great, great patience. Uh, nope. It's, it's a, an object. It's a mm. thing. Mm. Um, so. Uh, great. A big thermos. You're, you're getting warmer. <laughs> So the idea of macrothumia is like long burn, like fire. Oh, okay. So it's like, you ever heard of someone having a long fuse mm-hmm. or a short fuse, like a short temper? Sure, yeah. That actually comes straight from that Greek word. Okay. To be to be patient is to be macrothumia, mm-hmm. to be long burning. That's not the word in James 1. Oh. And so the, the word in James 1 is more of like an endurance. Uh, and let me get over here so I can actually look at it. Hupomene. And so that is also two words uh-huh. in Greek. Hupo, which is like above, like you think of like hyper, like hupo, hyper is a very similar thing uh-huh. there. And then meno, do you know what the verb meno means? To abide. To abide, to remain, to dwell. So it's a above dwelling, like a long dwelling type of an idea. Abiding under. Exactly. Oh yeah, hupo would be under, not under, above. Not yeah, above. thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I got it. I said it, you but I got it mixed it. up in my mind. Hyper, I'm thinking the above. Uh-huh. Yeah. Under uh, dwelling. Mm-hmm. So to sit under something. Good catch there, Tim, because that would I'm have been- i for a, you. We would have had to make that correction next week. And man, so we corrected it right away. I actually joked uh, with Joey Young. He works with me at Blue Cow. And this, we have this thing where we're, we will commonly like describe something to the other like, no, no, it's this. And like, is that what you're, like, they'll clarify. Is this what you're saying? No, 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 no. That's not what I said. This is what I said. And then that person will be like, no, no, no. That's exactly what I just said. So like, you didn't listen. It's like, that's, I'm agreeing with you, but you just didn't hear that I agreed with you. I love it. And so this morning that happened where he's like, no, no, Charlie, that's wrong. That's, I just said this. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. That was just a mistake. <laughs> it's like, that's like, I'm, oh yeah, you're, you're, you're right. That's just wrong. <laughs> so it's good to get the corrections out on the front end. So, hupomene, this is the definition in uh, the Greek lexicon BDAG, the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. And then the first synonym that's provided is patience. The other one? Oh. Patience. Okay. Not not a Greek synonym, an an English translation synonym. Uh So, the words are very similar. They're not exactly the same thing. So, in Galatians, it's referring to being filled with or being enabled to be patient. And this is a very similar thing where we are being patient in the face of adversity, which if you go back to that quote that I read earlier, it's very similar to that idea. We, we expect, or we want God to remove trial. Like, why do we have to be in this? And God actually quite commonly wants us to sit in it. Mm. And uh, First Peter talks about being refined by fire. It's the picture of metal being put in the fire to remove the imperfection. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not a quick thing. You don't just you know tap it in, tap it out. Sometimes it has to sit there and heat up, and then the imperfection rises to the top, and you can remove it. You think about what that looks like in sanctification. 
you get put in the heat and the imperfection rises to the top. Yep. The fleshly desires, the inordinate loves rise to the surface in our actions, our words, our thoughts. Uh, we, we see our motives revealed mm-hmm. and then we can address them through the enablement of the spirit and the ways, the paths of wisdom in God's word. And so what James 1 is referring to is those difficult moments. And so I'll read the verses here. We, they're very familiar to us, but it nestles this idea of endurance and patience into an idea. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And that's our word, hupomene, produces patience. So a very simple proposition. We have various trials present in our lives. And that can be something as simple as I woke up on the wrong side of the bed to you know, disaster. And the believer looks at the various trial and thinks about it. They count it. And that is a command in verse 1, or excuse me, verse 2. Think, consider, count, joy. So you think about the trial, and what you're supposed to think is, this is great. This is, this is a good thing. And it doesn't mean I'm emotionally happy about difficulty, but it's a way of thinking directed by the wisdom of truth. That joy is something that can be experienced really regardless of my emotion. So I don't have to be happy to be joyful. So you look at it and you recognize that it's good. It is ultimately good for you to go through the trial. Why does the believer think that? What causes the thought of joy in verse 2 in the midst of various trials is verse 3. You think joy of trials because you know. So what is the thing that you know that brings ultimately joy? You know that testing of your faith produces patience. Mm. What is God teaching us to do by allowing us to go through difficulty? And it's, it's go right back to the illustration of the fire. Uh-huh. When you touch something hot, what's your instant reaction? Pull away as quickly as possible. You touch a hot handle on the stove, you get too close to the fire, you feel that searing, singeing pain, and you fly away. Which is the right course of action. (laughs) Yeah. Physically, we we don't want to get burnt. But the purpose of God for us spiritually Mm -hmm. requires to sit in the fire right? so that the heart can have its true motives and loves exposed, purified, purified. Yep. That's a good verb. And so without the testing, we don't have the progressive sanctification. Mm -hmm. And so what does the consistent allowance of trial in our lives by a sovereign God teach us to do? sit in the fire. It teaches me to be patient in the midst of pain, Mm. which is antithetical to our flesh. Our flesh wants to preserve and promote itself. Our flesh hates to have itself 
provoked and purified by consistent trial. Uh And uh, what does God want us to know in those moments? Testing certainly isn't meaningless. It's very purposeful. We know that the testing of our faith produces patience, steadfastness. It helps us develop a characteristic where we'll sit under it. And verse 4, it carries an imperatival command as well. Allow, let that patience have its full effect. Again, emphasizing duration. Like, develop patience and sit there a little longer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sit there a little longer. Just wait it out a little longer. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. And And that's the spiritual end of our sanctification is that we truly lack nothing when Mm -hmm. we learn to depend on the Lord and allow his spirit to control. He gives us everything we need. He always has more grace and he doesn't forsake us in this life. We, We can endure the trial with the hand of God, both providing the trial and also providing the comfort. Yep. And, uh, that is something that is really easy to say, and it's really hard to live out. Uh, but we have the promise of God that we know the testing of our faith produces patience, and as we learn to patiently endure the trials he allows, he perfects us, he changes us, he accomplishes his goal of creating his glory in us. We, we become bearers of the character of Christ uh-huh. in deeper and more mature ways there. We, we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ uh-huh. through enduring trials. Mm. And so let that be a blessing to you, whether, you know, it's something as simple as, you know, uh, my breakfast was cold to my, my life is a mess, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Uh, God is faithful. And he's doing James 1 through 4 in your life. And so I just encourage you to be patient Mm. uh, in the sense of sitting under Mm -hmm. the trial that God has provided. So thank you guys for listening this week. And uh, it's a good duet. It's a good duet. Amen. But uh, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week on the Thinklings podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast. The Thinklings want to remind our listeners that the Thinklings podcast is our personal production. Our conversations, book discussions, and viewpoints may not represent the views of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Any questions or feedback should be directed to us at the Thinklings podcast.